calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, everyone. How are we doing this week? Oh, man. After doing the research for this episode, I'm not doing so great. And the week has not been so fabulous for me on top of that. You know, when you finally feel like you're getting your shit together and you're feeling good about yourself and then something just comes in and crashes every little bit of that? That's been my week. (laughs) So I apologize that I did not get a wrap-up episode up yet. I am still planning on getting a wrap-up covering the Harlem Renaissance up on Patreon as soon as I possibly can, but I spent all of Monday and Tuesday crying, so uh, it wouldn't have been a very entertaining episode for you to listen to. On top of that, I had an episode planned to record for Mad Gabin with Madigan, and I will probably be doing that tomorrow. I do have a lot of editing that I have to get done today and tomorrow for Shut the Fuck Up, Nick Lachey on Grab Bag Collab, which actually now I believe one season of that podcast is available for free wherever you get your podcasts. You no longer just have to go through Patreon. But I highly suggest giving that group of podcasters as much love as you possibly can. Join them on Patreon, especially if you want to hear the most recent season where Daisy Egan and Ellen Marsh are covering season six of Love is Blind, the one that just came out on Netflix. So especially if you need a little bit of a palate cleanser after today's episode, I highly suggest finding them. Again, the podcast is called Shut the Fuck Up, Nick Lachey, and it's through Grab Bag Collab. They're fabulous. On top of having Daisy Egan and Ellen Marsh, who are two fabulous Broadway stars, they also have two Pulitzer Prize winning women as part of their team in Amber Hunt and Amanda Rossman. They're fantastic. So definitely give all of those women and non-binary bays some love. And if you also want to give me some love, I would not be mad at that. The best way that you can possibly support me and keep this show running is by joining Patreon. I've got a couple different levels available for you. There's a $5 level, which is Mad Gabin with Madigan, a new series that I've started on Patreon. But you also get all of the previous Angry Feminist Book Club episodes from 2023 on that tier. I'm also adding the wrap-up episodes to the $5 level as well, because I do want to start adding more content 
content to that level for you all. And then if you want to just give a little bit extra and get a little bit more, you can also join the Feminist Faves level, which is $8 a month. And with that, you get everything that's included in the Mad Gavin with Madigan tier. But you also get these episodes early and ad free. And sometimes I even leave in a little bit of extra stuff. Patreon truly is a place where I can kind of let my guard down a little bit more and get a little bit more personal about my personal life and my feelings and things like that because it is a smaller audience. So if you want to be part of the club, I definitely encourage you to join. And I truly do appreciate every cent that you give to this show. It truly helps me out so much as I am a poor, poor podcaster. And then on top of that, if you want others to hear about the show, the best way that you can do that is by leaving a five-star review and a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show on your Apple Podcast app. I really, really appreciate everyone who's done that. It's been a while since I've gotten one, so literally the next person that leaves me a review, you are going to be my new favorite person for the rest of my life. Okay, enough of the jibber-jabber. I unfortunately have to get into a very heavy mini-episode I will be discussing gun violence in this episode. So if that is something that you are feeling particularly sensitive to, I would suggest coming back to me next week. On Wednesday, February 14th, 22 people were shot in a mass shooting at the west side of Union Station in Kansas City, Missouri at a Super Bowl victory party for the Chiefs. There isn't a lot of information out there at this time about some of the specifics as to who was involved and who was injured at this time, but here's everything that I've gathered. One person was unfortunately killed, and the other 21 were injured, including 11 children. Nine children specifically were shot, with at least half of the total wounded being under the age of 16. And this actually happened because schools in the metropolitan area actually canceled classes for the day so that students could go to this celebration and celebrate the Super Bowl win, which I'm like, oh my God, that is so cool. I wonder if that would happen, you know, when I was a kid in Minnesota, if the Vikings won the Super Bowl, but Lord knows that was never going to happen. The parade had been planned as a celebration for the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, and they had a municipal budget of a million dollars allocated for this celebration. And because they knew there would be a large number of people in attendance, hundreds of law enforcement officers were hired to work the event. There were 600 Kansas City Police Department officers and 200 other officers staffed for the events. The crowd would reach an estimated 1 million people. And like I said, since schools were closed, there were many, many families that decided to go out and join the celebration. The parade ran for two miles from 6th Street to Union Station, with the chief's team and dignitaries giving speeches at a rally in front of the building. Immediately after the parade rally at around 2 p.m., some witnesses claimed that they heard an altercation, with one reportedly hearing a woman telling someone else, Don't do it. Not here. This is stupid. Another saw an individual draw a gun and a woman holding him back, and people in the crowd began to back away before he began to shoot while spinning in a circle. Oh my gosh. It's just so reckless. As of right now, three people have been apprehended for this crime, but no arrests have been made. Two of them were minors, and they are still investigating the possibility of the involvement of others. One of the gunmen was tackled by fans. Father and daughter Paul and Alyssa Contreras spoke with the Today Show about what they experienced. He and a few others actually attacked the shooter. It was, it, it was just a reaction, you know. Uh, he was, he was running against the wrong way and there was another gentleman saying you know 
just screaming out, out of the top of his lungs, you know, catch this guy, tackle him. And I heard him, and I really wasn't for sure until he, he came running, and I had a perfect angle to do what I did. And I did what I did, you know. I took him, I took him down. So and we, uh, yeah. and as I took him down, I seen, I seen the weapon, the gun fall to the ground. So when I hit him, whether I hit it out of his hand or it fell out of his jacket, because he was wearing a big bulky jacket, I seen it. When I was taking him down, I seen the weapon fall to the ground. So I knew right down there, I'm like, okay, he's got one weapon, but this one's on the ground. He may have another one. I need to take him to the ground and I need to keep him on the ground is what I did after after I don't know how long it was but they the, the cops finally did show up they finally got there got the cuffs on him and then me and the other good Samaritan were were kind of free stood up this and that and I'm looking for where my daughters are at because I'm there with all my three daughters for this good celebration and uh they they took over from there trey filter a lifelong chiefs fan was also part of the group who tried to take down the gunman most likely the other good samaritan that paul contaris was referring to he and his family were leaving when the shots broke out and when filter said he heard a woman shout that someone had a gun he just went for it as another man tried to restrain the shooter's hands, Filcher reached underneath the shooter, trying to feel for the gun but couldn't find it. So he started hitting the guy in the ribs. Good on him. He didn't let up until the cops pulled him off, and then his wife picked up the weapon. Hell yes. There is a video of this altercation, and the sound that you just heard was used from a great interview that I highly recommend you looking into. It is truly amazing to see these citizens come together to take down such a dangerous threat. Dana Brady and her 14-year-old daughter recalled the popping sounds of the gunfire, then seeing a blur of people running toward them. Dana and her daughter climbed barricades in search for safety. Both of the governors of Kansas and Missouri were in attendance at the rally, and they were both evacuated, as were a few of the Chiefs players in attendance. The person killed was Lisa Lopez Galvan, a radio DJ with a show called A Taste of Tejano, and she adored sharing her love of music with the community. She ran the show with her co-host, Tommy Andrade. Lisa was married to a man named Mike, and together they had two children. She had attended the parade with Mike and her adult son, who was also allegedly shot. There's little information on the identities of both the victims and the perpetrators at this time, with the only one identified being Lisa Lopez Galvan. The Chiefs players in attendance were taken to shelter in place in a closet. Offensive lineman Trey Smith told Good Morning America that he and his teammates were making their way off the stage at the rally when they learned of an active shooter. On their way to the closet, Smith said he and his teammates helped guide as many people as they could to safety. Smith picked up a small child and told him, you're hopping in here with me. There were about 20 people or so eventually hiding in this closet. He said that another teammate, James Winchester, was instrumental in helping keep people calm. Another teenager who was in attendance told People Magazine about how the Chiefs coach Andy Reid comforted them and many others. Other Chiefs players, such as quarterback Patrick Mahomes, sent out a statement that he was praying for Kansas City. His wife, Brittany, posted a statement calling the situation horrible and traumatizing. She said she was highly embarrassed and disappointed in this. Super Bowl wins will never be the same because of this. 
It's devastating. Lives lost and people injured during something that was supposed to be a celebration. Authorities have reported that there is no indication that the shooting was connected to terrorism. Many of these victims are being treated at Children's Mercy Hospital, and I'm going to attach a link to donate to these families in the show notes, which I highly recommend that if you are able to do so, to please do. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. This shooting occurred on the sixth anniversary of the devastating mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, better known as the Parkland shooting in Florida. Also on Wednesday, one of the victims of this shooting, Joaquin Oliver's voice, could be heard across the U.S. Capitol grounds. Hello, I'm Joaquin Oliver. Six years ago, I was a senior at Parkland. Many students and teachers were murdered on Valentine's Day that year by a person using an AR-15. Oliver's is one of six messages that has been generated by AI, meant to resemble the different voices of individuals who have been killed by gun violence incidents in the last decade. This is part of an initiative run by March for Our Lives, the gun control organization that was born out of the Parkland shooting, and Change the Ref, a group started by Joaquin Oliver's parents, Manny and Patricia Oliver. These messages will appear on a new online platform called Shotline, where users can individually send AI-generated audio directly to the offices of members of Congress to demand further action on gun control. Joaquin Oliver's message continued, I'm back today because my parents used AI to recreate my voice to call you, but you don't care. You never did. It's been six years and you've done nothing. Other AI-recreated voices include 10-year-old Uzi Garcia, who passed away in the Uvalde shooting in 2022. I'm a fourth grader at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Or at least I was. Then there's 15-year-old Ethan Strong, who was killed in a friend's home in 2018. Hi, this is Ethan Song. I was killed by an unsecured gun at my friend's house. J.C. Webster, who died in a mass shooting at a Waffle House in Tennessee in 2018. And Mike Bond, who died by suicide after he purchased a gun in fewer than 15 minutes. 
Of course, using AI in this way could be seen as controversial. AI can be damaging in many areas of our society, and I spoke on one of the damaging effects of AI in last week's mini-episode. But these organizations argue that they are using this technology in a way that is ethically above board. It could get a little bit strange and unethical when you think about the possibility of generating representations of people who have lost their lives, who don't have the authority and control about how they're represented. But in this particular case, I think it is such a powerful way of sending a message. And I think it's an appropriate and brilliant way of using technology. But I also do see where it could be potentially dangerous. I am certainly going to be checking out this new app and exploring it, and maybe I'll even call some of my representatives. Every once in a while, I do a little bit of research into mass shootings in the United States. It was probably around this time last year that I did a mini episode where I covered the rundown of the history of mass shootings and what it's looked like in re- and what it's looked like in recent years, and I decided to do that again. In the year 2023, There were a total of 604 mass shootings, which is defined as an incident in which several people are victims of firearms-related violence. A total of 754 people were killed in these incidents, and another 2,443 were injured. 59% of American adults, or someone they care for, has experienced gun violence in their lives. Every day, more than 120 people in the United States are killed with guns, Twice as many are shot and wounded, and countless others are impacted by the acts of gun violence. The average shooting deaths per year is about 43,375. That is an astronomically high number. 57% of those are suicides, 40% are gun homicides, 1% are unintentional gun deaths, and a 1% reported shootings by police. Although the research does note that shootings by police are undercounted in CDC databases and they are often misclassified as homicides. Mapping Police Violence's database estimates that over a thousand people are fatally shot by police in an average year, which is nearly twice of what is reported to the CDC. Here are some more statistics. Access to a gun triples the risk of death by suicide. The U.S. gun homicide rate is 26 times higher than that of any other high-income countries. Coming up behind us is Chile, then Israel, Canada, France, and then Sweden. By comparison, Sweden has 0.388 gun homicides per 100,000 residents, whereas the U.S. has 4.382 gun homicides out of every 100,000 residents. Access to a gun doubles the risk of death by homicide. Black Americans represent the majority of gun homicide victims, as they are 12 times more likely than white Americans to die in a homicide involving a gun. Firearms are the leading cause of death for American children and teens, and black children and teens are 17 times more likely than white children and teens of the same age to die by gun homicide. Also, women in the United States are 28 times more likely to be killed with a gun than women in any other high-income countries. Every month, an average of 70 women in the United States are shot and killed by an intimate partner. Many more are shot and wounded. There are nearly 1 million women alive today that have been shot or shot at by an intimate partner. And there are approximately 3 million American children that will witness gun violence each year. Yet still, with all of that information, 
Americans are pretty evenly split over whether gun ownership does more to increase or decrease safety. However, it does split a little bit differently when you look at political party, with 79% of Republicans saying that gun ownership does more to increase safety, and 78% of Democrats say that it does more to reduce safety. But... Six in 10 U.S. adults will agree that gun violence is a very big problem in this country. And when I look at our country's response to gun violence compared to how other countries have handled it, I cannot help but be enraged by our lack of action. In 1996, there was a mass shooting at Port Arthur in Australia, a tourist town in the state of Tasmania. The gunman killed 35 people and wounded another 23, making it the deadliest massacre in modern Australian history, and it led to fundamental changes in the country's gun laws. Before the shooting in 1987, Premier of New South Wales Barry Unsworth said, It will take a massacre in Tasmania before we get gun reform in Australia, as Tasmania had the largest resistance to gun law changes. Following the massacre, within 12 days in fact, the Prime Minister of Australia, John Howard, led the development of strict gun control laws within Australia and formulated the National Firearms Agreement, which restricted private ownership of semi-automatic rifles, semi-automatic shotguns, and pump-action shotguns, as well as introducing uniform firearms licensing. The agreement affirmed that firearms possession and use is a privilege that is conditional on the overriding need to ensure public safety. Yes. The government also initiated a mandatory buyback scheme in which the owners paid according to a table of valuations. About 643,000 firearms were handed in at the cost of $350 million. This money was then used to fund a temporary increase in Medicare. What a brilliant idea. Following these gun reforms, no mass shootings occurred in the next 22 years until a tragic domestic murder-suicide in May of 2018. In the whole of the 21st century, only 18 mass shootings have occurred in Australia. And I don't mean to say only, like these 18 don't matter and they weren't devastating, but compared to the hundreds that have occurred in the United States, if not thousands, it's unbelievable. I was looking up the list of mass shootings in the U.S. from 2000 until today, and I noticed how the numbers spiked, first in 2012, and then reaching another new height in 2017, and then the years 2022 and 2023 have been the highest ever recorded. So far in 2024, there have been five mass shootings reported, and we are only halfway into the second month of the year. So please, as you carry on with your lives, Please keep these victims, whether it be from the Chiefs Super Bowl parade, whether it be for the Uvalde victims, for the Parkland victims, for Sandy Hook, for the victims of Port Arthur, for whatever story has affected you. Keep it with you and remember that and advocate for change. Call your representatives. Go check out that Shotline app. Do what you can if you feel compelled to do so. And also continue to educate others in your lives about the dangers of gun violence. I think you all very well know my stance on guns at this point. I am personally absolutely terrified of them. And that is a very personal thing for me. Um, After having dated a very abusive man who was in the military who would keep a gun under his bed. And I was also (laughs) raised by two hippies that 
you know, kind of grilled into me that violence and guns are bad and dangerous and scary. I've never touched a gun. I don't wish to ever touch a gun. I don't wish to ever be in the same room as a gun. I really, really dislike them. And it's funny because people tend to have a very extreme reaction to the way that I feel. And just because I feel that way doesn't mean that I don't think anyone should be allowed to have a gun. But because I feel this way, I think that I'm able to understand the gravity of devastation and the unnecessary feeling that Americans have for needing a gun and seeing it as being something that is ridiculous and unnecessary. I know that there are certain situations where it is good to be able to protect yourself. Max and I, you know, talk about maybe one day going and moving into the middle of nowhere somewhere. And he was like, well, I would need a gun for bears. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't. We'll be fine. We'll protect ourselves in other ways. But he is very insistent on that. And I'm like, well, then I don't want to know where it is. You're the only one that's going to know where it is. It's going to be locked away. Our children are not going to know anything about it. They're not even going to know of its existence I just, I feel so unbelievably negatively about the effects. And I think about the people that haven't even just been directly affected by a shooting, like having been shot, but the people who were there for these incidents, the loved ones, the friends and family members. There are so many people that are affected by gun violence. And the fact that the United States can experience devastation after devastation and we'll get statement after statement from our president, nothing ever changes. If we did not get any sort of change after Sandy Hook, I do not know what kind of hope we have. And it is unbelievably frustrating and devastating to sit in that hopelessness. I told you it was going to be heavy. I'm sorry. I was so happy last week when I didn't have to discuss any death on this show. But here we are again. America is coming through with being as shitty as it always is. But just know that my heart goes out to every single person who has ever been affected by this kind of tragedy. It truly and honestly hurts my heart. Okay, that's the only thing I'm covering today. I <laughs> I did a lot of work into all of that, and it was hard for me to find some sort of silver lining. I guess the silver lining is that it was Valentine's Day, and I, for one, haven't celebrated Valentine's Day since I was 18 years old and had a terrible date. Okay, this will be the palate cleanser here. So when I was 18 years old, I had just kind of like broken up with this guy that I was in a situationship with who I was in love with. I really fell for this guy and he totally squashed my heart and I had made friends with another guy and his friend group I'll just call him A and A was becoming closer to me and helping me out and letting me kind of talk through stuff and we would hang out with each other and Valentine's Day was coming up and neither of us had a date so he was like oh let's go out for Valentine's Day and I used to do a lot of like friend dates and stuff in high school and I'm very very close with a lot of my guy friends where we would go on like dates and stuff but we know it's it's a platonic thing. So I thought this was a great idea. And, you know, I got a dress on and got some makeup on. He picked me up after class and we went out. And I guess he had made reservations somewhere, but we hit terrible traffic and we missed our reservations. We were like, screw it. And we smoked some weed in the IHOP parking lot, went in, had a fantastic meal at IHOP, went back to my apartment and we were hanging out and he offered me ecstasy. <laughs> and 
I, you know, I'm a little bit more into drugs now than I was then. I've never done ecstasy, though I have done Molly once, which I guess is kind of the same thing. But I, I'm still not a drug user. I smoke weed and that's it. And I definitely was terrified of those kinds of drugs when I was 18 years old. So I was not interested, but uh, A, decided to uh, pop some ecstasy. And of course, because he just took some ecstasy, he got a little uh, handsy and wanted to make out with me. And I was like, yo, this is, that's not it. Like, this is not what this night is about. I'm here to like hang out with you and be your friend. And this guy got up and was like, I don't need any more friends. Fuck you. And stormed out of my apartment. And I was like, so I was offered drugs and then screamed at for not wanting to make out with this guy who I thought was my friend. Happy Valentine's Day. And then my ex and I, our anniversary was close to Valentine's Day. So we just didn't celebrate it. And I don't really see the need to. But the thing I do love about Valentine's Day is, of course, celebrating it with kids. How on brand is that for me? Any holiday is so much better when there are children around. Making Valentines, helping them make Valentines for their classmates, buying them little presents. It's so much fun. So there, that's your palate cleanser. I hope that if Valentine's Day is something that you enjoy, that you had a great one, that you felt all of the love that you are possibly needing, whether it be from a partner or a friend or a family member or a pet. There are so many different kinds of love out there in the world. And being single does not mean that you cannot celebrate Valentine's Day and feel all of the love that each and every one of you deserves. All right, I'm done rambling. I already gave you all the spiel at the beginning of the episode. If you want to join me on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist or click the link in the show notes. Don't forget to review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. It will truly mean the world to me. I would really, really appreciate it. And I'll see some of y'all later on in the week on Patreon. But that's all I have for you today. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.